Am I on? All right. I just arrived and I already have a standing ovation. Look at that. That's what I'm talking about. You guys awake? It is early in the morning, y'all. Well, it was for me when I was in high school. Eight o'clock was something else. But you got your coffee, you got your Bible. Go ahead and make your way to Mark chapter four. As you know, you're making your way and um, through different teachers, you're making your way through the book of Mark. So Mark chapter four is where we're going to continue. This morning, last week, um, as I understand it, Gordon tackled some of the, the parable of the soils. Jesus is teaching um, his disciples and others um, about the kingdom of God, and he, he talks about the soils and how there are, depending on um, the soil, whether it's a good soil or a bad soil, um, the word is received differently when it's preached. And so this morning, uh, we're going to continue on. Jesus is still teaching uh, and he's teaching specifically about the kingdom of God, and we're going to get into what the kingdom of God actually is, and uh, what it means for you, and what it means for me, and then we're going to see Jesus perform a miracle that points to his identity as the king himself. So I'll tell you what, let me read the whole passage that we're going to cover. We're going to be in uh, chapter 4, verses 26 through 41. That's what we're going to cover this morning. Read along with me as I... Read this. Mark 4, 26. And he was saying, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night, and he gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How he himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head. Then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, this is Jesus speaking, verse 30. And he said, how shall we picture the kingdom of God or by what parable shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. With many such parables, he was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. And in verse 35, on that day when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. So leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up, and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus was on this earth for how long? Any guesses? 
30, 33 years. He was on this earth for 33 years. And three of those years uh, were his ministry. It, it, as the Bible tells us in all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it records his, his ministry, and not only his ministry, his birth, and then his, his uh, eventual death, and then his uh, resurrection, and then ascension into heaven. But most of what these Gospels, including Mark, as, as we're reading today, record, uh, it, it's, it's mainly Jesus' teaching. And one of the main aspects of Jesus' teaching in the Gospels is, is the kingdom of God. He's trying to teach his disciples, he's trying to teach the people what the kingdom of God is. And that's exactly what he's doing in this passage that we have before us. We hear this phrase a lot. We hear this phrase, kingdom of God, all the time. And oftentimes, I think that we can accept phrases like this and not really understand what they are or what Jesus is talking about or even what we're saying sometimes when we talk about the kingdom of God. But this is a huge concept that we have to understand. I can't explain all of the aspects of the kingdom of God. There are whole books written to do so, so I can't do that this morning. But what I can offer is really kind of a simple definition. So even even though we don't have time to cover everything, I want to give you an idea of what the Bible is talking about generally when it's talking about the kingdom of God. So what is it? I'll boil this down very easily. The kingdom of God, in one sense, is, is God's reign over all creation. So in one sense, God is reigning right now over all of his creation. That's the way the Bible talks about God being king. But more specifically, what Jesus is addressing here is a future reign of God over his new creation. It's a future reign of Jesus Christ and God the Father over all of uh, his creation. But this is future. This hasn't happened yet. This will happen when Christ comes back, and that'll kick off these events where he he, he becomes king, a real king over real subjects, over real people. And all of those subjects will have placed their faith in Christ, have repented of their sin, and followed Christ with their whole lives. Those are the people that will be in the kingdom. And so what Jesus is doing is, is describing different aspects of that kingdom, that, that future kingdom. He's describing different aspects of that reality, that coming reality. And so that's where our passage comes in here. Uh, we're going to look at both Jesus' teaching on the kingdom and then a demonstration that Jesus is the king. All right, so we're looking at Jesus teaching his disciples and others about the kingdom, and then he's going to demonstrate for them that he's not just another man. No, he is God incarnate. He is the king to come. So, first, let me read the first parable. There's two parables that we're going to look at. The first one's found in verses 26 through 29. And here's what it says. Coming off the parable of the soils, and um, you know what Gordon was talking about last week, verse 26. He said, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. 
And when he goes to bed at night, he gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How, he himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. So what's Jesus doing here? He's making use of agricultural terms. All right, you're in Nebraska. It's harvest season right now. You guys know a little bit about uh, the, 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 the life cycle of plants, or I, I guess, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not from around here, so I'm very... I'm a little bit out of my element talking about this, but you guys know some of the agricultural terms. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's what he's using in this parable to make sense of the kingdom of God. So Jesus said, here's one way. Now, this isn't Jesus defining the whole kingdom of God and everything that the kingdom of God is, but he's, he's saying, here's one way you can think about it. He says, it's like this man who casts seed upon the soil. You guys remember from last week, Jesus kind of defines some of his terms as he's using them here. What's the seed? Anybody remember? The seed is the word. Flip back just a few verses. Verse 16 of the same chapter, it says, in a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places who when they hear the word. So Jesus has already kind of given you an idea. Okay, this man's out there casting seed. All right. What's the seed supposed to be? It's the word. So think, think about that as we go along. Seed is the truth about God. It's the truth about Christ. And it's the message to repent and follow him. It's the proclamation of the gospel. And so in this parable, this man is casting seed upon the soil, and then he goes to bed at night. He wakes up the next day, and behold, the seed has sprouted and grown. The idea really here is that the man is not involved at all in this. All he does is throw the seed down, and he's done. He lets it be. The, the soil either accepts or rejects that seed, as we talked about last week. But he, all this man does is he throws the seed on the ground, and he wakes up the next day, And something has grown. Notice it says how he himself does not know that how this happens. Now, that's not to say that man, especially now, like we don't know how uh, botany works or how, how certain things work uh, scientifically. But he's saying this farmer, all he knows, he's a simple man. All he knows is if he throws seed down, something's going to grow. He's not like down there trying to pull something up from the ground. He, he just knows his job is, is simple. Throw the seed down. That's all you got to do. He's a simple man. And so what's the result? The soil produces crops by itself. Just by itself. It's producing crops. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. And so this was one of the four soils that was talked about last week. This was the soil that received the seed. It received the word. And the crop made it into maturity. And then when the crop permits, he immediately puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. So what's the point of this parable? If you're like me, 
first time you read this parable, you were probably thinking like, what in the world is Jesus talking about? The kingdom of God is like a man who throws seed and then the plants. Well, yeah, of course. Like the, I mean, that's what you do. That's what a farmer does. He grows things. What do you mean the kingdom of God is like that? What's he talking about here? What Jesus is describing is our role in the kingdom of God growing. Here's what, he, here's what I mean. Not the kingdom itself, but the constituent, the people that make up the kingdom of God, the people that will spend eternity in heaven under God's kingship. That's going to grow. The emphasis here, though, is on the man. And now he is not involved in this. He's not involved in making the seed grow other than what? He throws the seed down. And remember, this seed is the word of God. It's the truth about God. It's such a simple task. So if you're in here and you're a Christian and you're, and you're on a mission to share the gospel with people, this has such importance for us because of the simplicity of what you are to do. You don't have to know how to defeat every argument under the sun. You don't have to, you know, uh, be cool to share the gospel. All you have to do is give people the word. That's all you have to do. You have to tell the people the good news about Jesus Christ. You don't have to be fancy about it. And God, not you, will cause the growth. God will cause that seed to grow. You don't know how he does it, but he does it. That's what he's getting at here. That's what Jesus is describing. These disciples, as they were to go out into the world and, and make other disciples, Jesus is saying, you just give them the word. Let God take care of the rest. It's such a simple task. It's hard. Sure, it, it can be hard to, to do at times. We get nervous sharing the gospel sometimes. We get nervous sharing with our non-Christian uh, neighbors. We, we, we have a hard time doing that. But it's a simple thing to understand. We just give them what Jesus declared about himself in his word. Because not everyone will gain interest, entrance into this kingdom. Only those who repent and believe in the name of Jesus Christ. So your role, if you're a Christian here, your role is to be faithful in sharing the gospel to be faithful in giving people the word of God, the one that you have in your lap right now. Tell people the gospel. Be faithful in that. That's all the farmer in this parable did, and that's all you do. All right. So he gives us an idea. Jesus here gives us an idea of, okay, what's your role? Well, you just give people the word. God will cause the growth. How much growth? Let's look at the second parable here. Verse 30. So Jesus is continuing here to describe the kingdom. He says, uh, you give people the word. How, how the kingdom is going to grow is through the word of God being proclaimed and, and told to people. And then he says this. He says, how shall we picture the kingdom of God or by what parable shall we present it? So he's continuing his teaching here on the kingdom. It's like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can 
nests under its shade. So he's told us our role. He said, you be faithful to spread the seed. You be faithful to give people the word. But here he's saying the number of kingdom heirs, the, the, the number of citizens of the kingdom, the number of people who are going to respond to the, to the gospel message is in God's hand. And it's going to start small, and it's going to end big. That's basically his, his message here. So to illustrate this, he uses the analogy of a mustard seed. Have you guys ever seen a mustard seed? Real small, all right? This isn't like a sunflower seed, smaller than that. He's using more kind of like, a, I guess, horticultural or agricultural terms here. But the idea is that the, that, the, uh, that the mustard seed is small. It's insignificant. It's the smallest seed. It's not the smallest seed on the earth, but it's the smallest seed that these people would have known, uh, that he's talking to, his audience would have known. It's a tiny, insignificant seed. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is like that. He's saying that small thing that you just kind of throw on the ground and hope that it grows, that's how it is. It's small, insignificant. It's going to start small. It's going to look weak. Yet, he says, when it is sown, so when it grows up, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. So what's Jesus saying here? What he's saying is this is the plan of God. You give people the word. That's your job. God will be responsible for the growth. He's already given you the method. You spread the word. Now he's given you a peek behind the curtain. Here's, what, here's what's going to happen in the future. Here's what's going to eventually be true. This kingdom of God is going to start really small. Very few citizens. And then it's going to explode going to be huge. Mustard seed, again, is the size of a grain of sand, but when it's full grown, the final product, you know how big mustard seeds get? They get, or mustard uh, plants get? They get to be like nine feet tall, depending on which ones you have. But the one he's talking about is probably one that grows up to be about nine feet tall. Smallest seed, but it's larger than any of the garden plants that surround it. That's what Jesus is saying. So, that's what the kingdom of God is like. The citizens of the kingdom of God will multiply in number to such an extent that people from everywhere will be a part of it, be a part of God's eternal kingdom. Every nation, not just Jews. That was Jesus' pr uh, primary audience was the Jewish people in Jerusalem. But, but he's saying not just Jews, but that's what he's saying there. Look at... Uh, Look at verse 33. It says, the birds of the air can nest under its shade. That's, that's an allusion back to an Old Testament passage, which is really just talking about uh, birds from every flock. Uh, every, every type of bird will nest under that one tree shade. He's saying the kingdom of God is going to be so big that this is going to have a global impact. Now, put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a second. Think about there's this man who, remember, they just now had been called into discipleship, last chapter, I believe, it's chapter 3. And there's this man claiming that this kingdom, kingdom of God, that's going to come, it's going to start small, but it's going to be huge. You think they could have been a little skeptical of that? 
That could have sounded crazy to them. Now, we have the privilege right now of looking across the world and seeing Christians, real legitimate Christians. I mean, that seed, it, it, it's grown, huh? Like, there are, there are Christians worldwide now. That wasn't necessarily true. That wasn't true whenever Jesus was talking to his disciples. But he's saying this is God's plan. He's going to grow this. He's going to grow it by you spreading the word. What had humble beginnings grew to have a global impact. So this is the outcome that, listen, God is going to ensure. It's going to happen. This isn't chance. This isn't just probability. God, the creator of the universe, is going to make this happen. He's going to grow his church. And this kingdom of which he's going to be king over is going to have people from everywhere. It's going to happen. God will grow his kingdom. There's nothing that man can do to make it stop or to grow it. God is in control of the whole process. Whole process. So after a full day of teaching, after a full day of Jesus teaching his disciples and, and the crowds about the kingdom of God, what he wants to do now is put his real identity on display for people to see. So, you know, after the parable, uh, verse 33, 34, he says, with many such parables, he was speaking the word to them so far as they were, were able to hear it, and he did not speak to them without a parable. He was explaining everything privately to his, uh, his own disciples. So, all right, he's teaching all day. He's using a lot of parables, using a lot of uh, language to, to try to illustrate his point about the kingdom. And then verse 35, on that day when evening came, so the same day he's teaching about the kingdom, he said to them, let's go over to the other side of the sea. <clears throat> Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to it, hush, and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So they hop in a boat after he's done teaching. They're going across the Sea of Galilee. It's not just one boat. It's kind of like a fleet of boats says. And on the way over, a fierce storm hits. It's like a torrential downpour. And the boat that they're in starts to sink. It's, it's beginning to capsize. It's, it's, uh, there's so much water that's coming overboard that the disciples are panicking. All right, the disciples that he's with, the people who he is in the boat with, they're starting to get a little bit worried. Now, listen, this is, they're not on like a cruise liner like we have today, all right? They're on first century um, Mediterranean boats. They're not, they're, they're not impressive. If you saw one, you would understand their panic. And so as they're panicking, they look to find Jesus. And he's in the stern of the boat. And what's he doing? Huh? What's he doing? He's taking a nap, right? He's sawing some logs. 
He's sleeping. And Jesus gets up. They wake him up and they say, do you not care that we're about to sink here? And Jesus turns to them and and says, why why were you afraid? Why don't you have faith? But here's the crucial part of the scene. People use this story, before I get there, people use this story in multiple, uh, multiple different ways. People will say, well, this is just evidence that Jesus can calm the storms of your life. That Jesus, you know, it, you're, you're going through a hard time and Jesus can calm that. And this is Jesus showing that kind of in a metaphorical way. Like he can calm real storms, he can calm your storm. And you know what? That's true. Jesus can do that. That's absolutely true. But that's not what this story is primarily talking about. That's not what this story is primarily talking about. So here's what the disciples say. Jesus says to them in verse 40, look at verse 40 with me. He said to them, why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? So Jesus says, why are you afraid? I love the response. They became very much afraid. Isn't that kind of funny? They started out afraid of the storm, and they see Jesus do this, this, uh, this crazy stuff with the elements of this, uh, you know, like natural elements and rebuking the wind and telling the wind, you calm down, wind, you know, hush. And they became afraid of him. Here's the point. They said to one another, who is this? Who is this guy? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Can you imagine being there? Like if you had a friend on, like if you guys were going across, like you were uh, on a big lake or something, and you were going across and a big storm blew over and your friend just stood up and said, hush, and it calms down. And it's like a serene, peaceful scene all of a sudden because your friend got up and said that. You would panic as well. You'd be kind of afraid. This Jesus, here's the point. This Jesus is not just a man that came to teach. He did do that, but he's not just that. This Jesus is not just another wise guy. This Jesus is God himself. In fact, Jesus himself, through Jesus, it says in Colossians, through Jesus, everything was made. There was nothing made, whether visible or invisible, without or apart from Jesus. By him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him, talking about Jesus, and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So this is no mere teacher. This is no mere rabbi. This is God, truly God, truly man, who was born to die. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. We don't just celebrate that Jesus came to this earth. We celebrate that Jesus came to this earth for us to die in our place. So that if you would place your faith in him and repent of your sins, follow him, you can gain access to this kingdom he's teaching about. So here's what I tell my students all the time. 
Here's what I tell my students at Countryside Bible Church all the time. In any given room, there are two groups of people generally. Two groups of people. One, you've either placed your faith in Christ and given him your life and followed him. Or you're part of the second group and, and you haven't. You haven't given Christ your life. You haven't given everything over to him. You haven't repented of your sin. You haven't placed, in him for, placed your faith in him for salvation. But listen, there's no in-between. No one has one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot out. So if you're in that first group, if, you, if you're here and you say, I'm a Christian, what do I do with this passage? I think it's very simple. You, you are encouraged by Christ to sow the seed. Give people the word. Share the gospel. You don't have to be clever. You don't have to be unique. You don't have to be cool. You just need to give people the gospel. That's how you do it. It's a simple task. Hard to do sometimes, but it's simple to understand. You give people the gospel. Jesus' parables give us a look at what we should be doing. It's really that simple. We share the word of God. We share the gospel of Christ with them. And he will cause growth. And then if you're in that second group, if you're in here and you say, well, I don't know that I'm a Christian. I'm not a Christian. In fact, this stuff, even though I'm in a Christian school, this stuff seems bogus to me. I'm just here. I urge you to consider this Christ who is God in flesh, truly God, truly man. And that he came to give you life spiritual life. I urge you to repent, turn to him, give your life over to him. He's the eternal king. And he will come again. He will come again and gather all of those who are part of his kingdom. We don't know when that will be, but we do know that the time is now, not tomorrow. Time is now to follow him. Time is now to give your life over to this king. Let me pray. Father, you are good to us for giving us your word. We can learn so much just in a handful of verses. We could have spent two hours on this. God, thank you for the simplicity of your message and the clarity of it, that all we are to do is give others the word, and that you are responsible for that growth. You are responsible for the outcome. Lord, I pray for the student body here. I pray that they would understand the importance of the fact that Christ came. And it's not just Christ. He's the Messiah. He's God in flesh. He's come to call people to himself. I pray that they would all consider the importance of that message. And they would give their lives to following him. Lord, I pray all this in the name of this King Jesus. Amen.